And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what's going on, dude? Should have said live from the phone. <laughs> yeah, to- Tom's uh, computer's going through some updates, so he's calling in on his phone like a, yeah. like a guest. Yeah, it's... it's- I guess what what ended up happening was like something went haywire on my computer, so I had to like completely reset it. And it's been it takes like apparently like five or six hours to like fully like rewrite and do all that nonsense. So we figured, you know, we just at least you know get on here and not you know waste waste any more time and at least you know get the get you guys some content out. You know, so I'm just doing this live from the iPhone, you know, live from the iCloud cloud iCloud. I think it's there time it for you to upgrade and get yourself uh, some Apple products, you know, getting a, a MacBook Air or MacBook Pro or something like that. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I, I love having a PC. Don't get me wrong. It's just that this particular PC has been giving me trouble for a while. <laughs> I need just, like, a better, you know, something that has, like, more RAM and a bunch of other stuff so, like, it operates, like, with at least some speed and some um, ease of use, but like this computer is just like a kind of a piece of trash, unfortunately. But you know, maybe after uh, you know, I'm back to work, getting some money coming in, I could get myself that you know that that new shiny new new. You know, I, dude, I'm like so out of the PC game that I don't even know how much they go for these days. I mean, you can get like decent ones like that aren't like anything super special for like four or five hundred bucks. But like, if you want to get something that's like excuse me got like a lot of power or like is really good for gaming you know they can get up there you know around the prices of mac stuff but how long have you uh have you like had your mac products oh so like caitlin was like really into macs early on so like even in college she Mm -hmm. had uh a mac a macbook not no uh imac so like yeah yeah like a desktop version sure and uh she was like one of the few people that I knew that actually had like Apple computers. Okay. And then, you know, she kind of converted me and now like that we all have Apple products, like everything we have, it just, Mm -hmm. just, I I love it. I I just love the, like all the interface and everything like is all compatible and and, like I'm used to it. So this is not bad for Apple products, but. Kind of yeah, is for the long for the longest time. I always shied away from Apple products because I used this one particular, um, like tablature and like music making program that was only you could only use on a PC, and it was like one of the things that like I used like often, like really really often, like probably from like two thousand like three to like twenty thirteen twenty fourteen. Like I used it almost all the time. Nowadays, I don't use it as much anymore, so I could probably like upgrade to uh, like a, like an Apple computer and not be too, you know, too bummed about it. Are and I mean, I kind of want Tabit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so funny because uh, Steve from Senses Fail was just like tweeting that he like fired up an old computer and found like his old Tabit stuff. Yeah, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what Tom used to do. Like you, that you had- is thousands and thousands of songs yeah. 
I had so many songs, and there was a great community on on Tabit. Um, full of like a lot of really talented guys. Believe it or not, um, uh, one of the guys, Nick, who is uh, like the I guess second guitar player, keyboard player in the Wonder Years. Like that's how I found out about the Wonder Years. He was on there, um, and that's like that's actually how like I got to know him. And uh, you know, one of the dudes that. Um, played in that band, the progress and is now in this band sleeping and a bunch of other bands. Um, you know, like, that have gone on to do some kind of cool things, but you know, a lot of their music, like I first heard like in Tabit versions, uh, which is kind of, kind of wild, but, um, I mean, it was just a super easy program that lets you just kind of create what you wanted to create. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of, uh, it turns out a lot of, you know, people that were in bands probably used it because of how simple and easy it was. And you could just like, you know, kind of throw some ideas up there and show it to like your band members instead of having to like get your guitar and your rig and be like, oh, let me play this for you. So I always thought it was kind of a cool thing. And like, it was, like I said, it was super easy, but it was only for PC. So that's like one of the reasons why I never, um, you know, had had upgraded to, uh, you know, to like a Mac or anything like that. But who knows, man, now that I don't really use it as much anymore, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to, you know, spend a billion dollars and get like uh, like a Mac setup. What what's Amanda's preference? Um, I mean, I I don't think she has much of a preference. Like she has a like a PC uh, that she uses for work, uh, which she likes. So uh, I don't think she's ever owned any like Mac or Apple products. Um, I'd have to talk to her about it. It's funny we've never really like had that conversation, but uh, I don't think she's ever owned any. So I don't know. Um, but like I use like I have a desktop and I use my desktop and like Amanda uses like a laptop. So like we're kind of like separate anyways. So, you know. All right. I, I think once you get married, you're going to have to have that conversation. It's going to be like, do we have a joint checking account? And are <laughs> we an Apple household? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's those are the probably the most important things. Like, do we have a joint checking account? And like, do we want to, you know, just buy like an iMac from 2006 that like is like pink? <laughs> now. <laughs> Now, one thing that does kind of suck about Apple products that I just, like, encountered is that they, like, with their older generation stuff, they, like, force them to be obsolete. And oh yeah, we have a first-generation Apple TV, mm -hmm. and it's in our guest bedroom. Like, we don't really fire it up often. And I was, like, yeah. doing, like, some spring cleaning and whatnot and, like, got our guest bedroom back to the way it's supposed to look. And... Mm -hmm. I fired up the, the TV. I was like, oh, let me just like fire up Apple TV and get that all set back up and can't even get it to work anymore. It's just completely like it, it's a paperweight at this point. Yeah. And that's like a bummer. That's like one of everyone's big complaints about Apple is like they go through like different proprietary connections and proprietary cables and like, you know, kind of force you to upgrade and force you to do this and do that. And it's just like very expensive to keep up with which is why pcs are kind of nice because like they really haven't changed much you know like pcs typically use like you know like usb and hdmi and like apple uses like lightning and this and that and all these different you know cable types and connectors that are like proprietary to it that are expensive to replace and all this stuff but on the other side of the coin i mean you know the apple products just run so much more smoothly and i mean they're just like um, so much more seamless and easy and integratable so i don't know to each his own right yeah we just spent a, a lot of time talking about nonsense 
It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you got to talk about nonsense and, uh, um, you know, having nothing to do with nonsense. Uh, we could talk about our uh, our guest uh, that we've got up today. His name is uh, Patrick Cordyback. He is um, from, uh, he's, well, I mean, his, his main band that he was in was uh, called Stereos, uh, which was a big uh, Canadian band um, that... Uh, was around for uh, a couple of years, got super big, uh, ended up <laughs> like winning uh, a Juno, which is like the Canadian Grammy, essentially. Uh, super, super humongous up there in Canada. Uh, he's uh, That band went on a hiatus, and uh, they've actually started back up again. But, um, you know, we wanted to really chat with him for his new venture, which is a, an awesome hockey-themed pop-punk band called In All Alone. Uh, and uh, super cool. You'll actually, at the end of this episode, uh, you'll actually get to hear uh, a brand new In All Alone song that hasn't been uh, debuted really anywhere. Uh, so we got the love from from Pat to go ahead and, uh, you know, debut it on our, our episode. So we're actually really super stoked about that. But we talk about all things hockey, some of the experiences he's had, um, you know, the difference, obviously, between uh, the popularity of uh, stereos in, in Canada versus the States. Uh, you know, some of the tours he's went on, how, how things have gone for him, uh, you know, getting to, you know, play a little bit of hockey while he's out on the road, uh, you know, backstage for tours and stuff. So it was a super awesome interview. Uh, really, really excited to share it with you guys. And uh, Mikey, anything uh, that I that I missed? No, I, I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this. It, it was uh, a lot of fun and um, just totally cool to to hear about a band that like is so huge in one country and then like not really like didn't really break through in in our country and uh just totally two different worlds so i I think people are going to enjoy this interview so uh here's let's get right to it here's our interview with patrick of stereos and in all alone enjoy if you're feeling me, let's make a memory My heart is melting cause you're hot like the summer here The night is all we got and there's no time to stop you think about the should we or should we not And I know that you got a man But I'm here, so put me in your plan And here for what you need tonight And I'm never gonna see you again I wanna and we're back in the box with our boy patrick cordyback of in all alone and stereos patrick how you doing man I'm doing terrific. How are you guys doing? Good. So, in all alone, hockey themed pop punk band, like the <laughs> crossover to a T. Like every time I think, like, oh, we've we found like the ultimate crossover. It just another guest tops it. Like I thought, P. Uh, Chuck from Simple Plan was like the ultimate crossover guy, but being in a hockey themed pop punk band definitely takes the takes the cake. Well, I will tell you this. Obviously, uh, Simple Plan, they're a Canadian band. And so you're going to find a lot of uh, Canadian musicians, no matter what, who are going to be hockey fans. However, 
I will say, I don't know if any of them combine it to the level where all our song titles are at least in some way hockey related and every single merch design and everything. We are like our name is, you know, a hockey name. So I think we should be taking the cake on that one. <laughs> so in all alone, were you a goal hanger when you were uh, playing puck? Absolutely. So my <laughs> dad, I remember him getting so mad as Canadian fathers do, because I was not, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I didn't forecheck. I didn't, I didn't skate back. I didn't back check, but I got a lot of goals. And uh, so my nickname was all state because uh, I had such good hands. Good shit. So did you play uh, any competitive hockey or just, you know, at like high school level and then face out? Played. Uh, yeah. Until I was 15. Um, so, uh, you know, it started getting pretty, pretty serious around that time. That's kind of when you make the call, right? Whether or not you're going to play summer hockey and really focus on it. I was a good enough player, but I'll be honest, man, I'm now five ten, and, uh, I was not as able to keep up once hitting came into it just wasn't part of my game. And I was just kind of left in the dust at that point. So moved on to other things. Well, I, I hate to be like a Homer, but like Matt Barzell, that, that sounds like him, man. So like you could have, you could have made it in the, in the new NHL. Oh, it's an, it dude, it's a generational thing. I actually played like 15 years too early because right now it would have suited me perfectly. It's funny, actually our drummer, Aaron, um, he's a, he's a, like a sound producer. I don't even know enough about what he does, but he actually just recorded Ken Dryden, um, for his book on tape. And, uh, yeah, he wrote a book about Scotty Bowman and he got a signed picture for me from Ken Dryden. And he's, and it literally says in it, it's like to Patrick, who's no longer, uh, too small enough to play in today's NHL. It was a pretty good <laughs> subtle chirp there, but, uh, that's exactly what it was, man. I was just, uh, I was ahead of my time, I guess. Nice. So, uh, Patrick, let's, let's talk about the formation of in all alone, because that that's not a band, like a first band, like you, you definitely <laughs> no. have to be pretty experienced and, and, uh, you know, been there, done that b- before you just dive into a hockey themed pop punk band. And you're, you're exactly right, man. So I have a, a very long history with my band stereos. We are a pop band from Canada. We, uh, we're on a reality show and we had, um, a nice moment in the sun in terms of success, uh, almost 10 years ago now. Um, and so in all alone was kind of bred from this idea that Rob, who's in that other band with me as well in stereos and I we're best friends still. And he, we're, he's the only guy whose hockey passion matches my own, I would say. And we just thought it would be like a funny name at first. I, I think he came up. He's like, man, imagine a hardcore band called In All Alone, like just hockey. Thing. I was like, that's sick. And then now we kind of weren't doing anything. Um, our band Stereos was on a, a hiatus at the time. And we we're like, let's just let's do this. Like we all grew up on punk rock um, and pop punk specifically, too, which is kind of what made us love catchy music to begin with, like in high school. And so we just kind of combined it. And it was a joke, to be honest with you. It was a joke. And I wrote one song as a joke. And then we kind of just kept writing and you know people were kind of feeling it locally and it just took off from there and so um it, it was like a, again like i said a passion project slash joke that kind of just turned into something that was really fun cool so do you, i i know like when you check on spotify you could find like two songs but do you have anything else like in the works or you know any any plans for in all alone so yeah to be completely honest like we have a third song we actually haven't even released yet and i think it's our best song um but what happened was actually like uh my band stereos we did a 10-year reunion and this the show sold out 
And then it just kind of took over this wave. And so it's that has been keeping me very busy. Um, but I guess it's kind of a long way of answering your question, but absolutely in all alone, still on the cards. It's just very difficult uh, to find the time right now. Well, I mean, specifically right now, obviously we're all at home, but um, yeah, unfortunately in all alone kind of had to take a little bit of a backseat to the stereo stuff that started popping off, but um, it's always going to be there. And that's the best part about um, being in a band for fun, man, because ever since stereos took off music for me was very much a job. And so that was another like great part about this band coming in is that this felt like playing in your garage as a kid again. Cause it was just like, there's no, we're not like trying to get signed. We're not busting our asses, quitting jobs to go on shitty tours. Like we used to, it's just like having fun. And so it's always going to be there. There's no reason not to do it when it's um, you know, it's not the, the thing taking over your life. So, um, so regarding stereos, you know, obviously, you know, doing a little bit of research, you know, the, you guys were on, were on disband, which is kind of what, um, you know, what brought you guys from, you know, you, you well, obviously you were a band before that, but, you know, so how did you, how were you guys approached to, to be on the show? And like, what was, what was that whole experience like? Cause I mean, it's not every day that you get to talk to like a reality TV star. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, like what was the experience like? How did you get approached for it? And, uh, like what kind of, how did it meld and kind of mix from there? It's a great question, man. And, and like, especially you guys being from the States, uh, um, you know, our, our familiarity is really big in Canada, but not so much. We've done a few American tours, but it was on a different level and it didn't have the show. So um, I will try to give you a shortened version of it. But basically, we were approached online, MySpace at the time, by Greg Norrie. So he was uh, the front man of a band called Treble Charger. And his big claim to fame is that he was the producer and manager of Sum 41. And he wrote all their huge hits with them, right? So he was what was kind of behind them. Uh, and their success. So when he approached us online, it was actually like one of his assistants, we had then been working with him for months, sending him demos. And he was like, man, we just got to find a way to get you guys to Toronto uh, to record. And at that time, we would have done anything. And just as luck would have it, dude, I remember one day we all went and played football. We all lived in a band house together. And so we did everything together. We all went and just like threw the football around. And I missed a call from Greg getting back home. And I was mortified because those are calls that you want to take all the time. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, sure. it, like, I'm like, and he doesn't just call me for no reason. And I listen to the voicemail as I'm walking back from the field. And he describes, I've just been approached for this TV show. I'm the guru. I'm kind of hosting every band on it. And I put them through a week of like band boot camp. And then at the end of the week, they kind of get a shot to play in front of industry professionals. And so I'm listening to this as I'm walking. And I'm like, dude, that's all I ever wanted at that point. Again, we were already living in a band house, practicing every night, sure. you know, like, going through girlfriends, relationships, everything, because the band was number one, jobs, yeah. all of that. So anyways, I remember thinking in that moment, and it sounds maybe kind of arrogant, but I remember thinking, we're going to go on the show and we're going to be the best ones. And then the TV station, Much Music, which was our MTV, they're yeah, going to yeah. own us at that point. And they're, we're just going to have, we're going to have easy access to be their band because they'll be the ones who discover us. I remember saying this out loud. And dude, that's kind of exactly how it played out. So at that point, um, we were in talks. Greg kind of pitched us too much music. They uh, at first it was looking like it might not happen. So like, well, we're, we can't put these bands up. It's all bands from Toronto that they were shooting. And we're like, sure. oh, we're like, no, nah, we've done this so many times. We've slept in Walmart parking lots way too much. We will figure out places to stay. Um, yeah. It might sound kind of cheesy, but like, it's very easy. You know, you you meet some girls, you find couches to stay on. That's how it works, and that's how we've always <laughs> yeah. kind of done it on tour, right? Sweet. Um, yeah. And so then. The, it honestly, the rest of it played out exactly that way. We were one of the first bands to shoot it, but as soon as we were done, 
the panel of judges were all label people and they started fighting over us. So much music right away was kind of like, nah, we're saving this. And so they actually made us the season finale, even though we were one of the first ones to shoot it. Like oh, Gene wow. Simmons got involved and like, um, <laughs> it was wild, dude. And so when we, when our episode aired and they'd been building it up for weeks and weeks as this montage, like you have to see this episode. It was so well calculated, dude. Like they had our episode at the end of the episode, you could, our music video played, which we'd already shot. And it was like, mm -hmm. go to iTunes now, get the single. It was just like, it was, it was magic, dude. And so it literally took us 15 years to have overnight success. But when we had that show, it literally was overnight. We got recognized that night, the, the night that it aired, it already started. And so it kind of blew up, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, uh, so, I mean, obviously, you know, from there, you know, obviously you guys had like a, a tremendous amount of, of success, you know, up there. I know, um, uh, you guys had, um, had a single that, uh, went like double platinum, right? I mean, that's like, that's wild. Yeah, man. We had a few of them go over platinum and it was, uh, just all like, it, it, you're right, man. It's, it's kind of those things you dream of. It's not like the things that I still like have up on my wall in my place that I don't think about anymore, but like new people see and they're like, Oh my God, like the gold record. And then the platinum single plaques like on the wall, man, that's the stuff sure. you dream about. Um, you know, when you're playing in the garage and stuff like that. So yeah, there was a period of time where, um, like, and obviously I don't want to jump the gun on the whole story, but like, there was definitely <laughs> a period of time where, um, the way things ended and like life happened, we signed to a major yeah. label. We did not get a great deal, um, mm -hmm. you know, out of that. And so there was some like bitterness about it when it first sure. ended. But now I look back, man, and I can't have any complaints. Like it, uh, we, it's a dream come true. So many. Yeah, ab absolutely. Now, um, so you know, obviously, you guys were, you know, we're all playing together. You know, you guys were together for you know a couple of years before uh, you know you made it onto onto Disband, and then you know, as you kind of said, like all of a sudden, like you know, you your show debuted, and like all of a sudden, like it was almost like an overnight success sort of thing. But like, as far as like touring and stuff is concerned, like had you had toured you know, with the band prior to disband. Um, and then like, uh, cause I'm sure pretty much after, after everything aired and after you guys got, you know, label recognition and stuff, you guys were going on cross country tours. So like, what was it like, you know, to go from like small scale to like immediately large scale touring and that learning curve? Great question, man. And same sort of thing. Like, um, you're, you're totally right. So yes, we had toured, but it was all like self booked and it was like hopping on other tours with friends. It was hall sure. shows. It wasn't like, it was like, fuck man we would maybe get the odd opening spot for a big band coming through and play to a few hundred people but never anything like you're right so as soon and do not even our own tour so our own tours started uh, we booked um i'd say like five months after that first single came out and it was maybe like three to four thousand cap and those were selling out but what really hit us is we got thrown into the festival circuit right away meaning oh wow yeah tens of thousands playing with black eyed peas playing with uh who else, like um lmfao we played with katie oh. perry so like <laughs> we within weeks of the single coming out we were playing to massive massive crowds and i always compare it to um you know when you hear a, an nfl quarterback who says i think i'm the best guy i, I think i'm the best player in the league and then you're like, mm -hmm. well, you're not like, you're obviously not Tom Brady. You're not Aaron yeah. Rodgers, mm -hmm. but then yep. you always hear them say, well, you have to believe that because if you already believe your second best, third best, you're already behind the curve. Of course. Um, so this is a long analogy I'm making is when we started playing those big shows, man, I always felt like I belonged there. I never once was like, oh my God, the downside to that is I don't think I appreciated as much of it in the moment being like, oh my God, this is like, I'm, I'm on cloud nine, just smiles. It wasn't like that. It was very serious and it was 
let's get to work. But the positive of that was we always delivered. We were never like thrown into it. And like the moment was never too big for us. So I feel like that was a huge benefit for us to be able to sustain sort of that, uh, that level for a while. Now I have a question about disband because like you mentioned, it, it never aired in the States. And like right. when I was researching, I was thinking of like, there was a show on MTV where like they put together, like it was kind of like a mockumentary where they put together a boy band and like they they released like a few songs like I know my calculus. Do you remember that song? Bro, what was the name? was that to get in together or whatever? Yeah, That's together, I, yeah. Together. Oh, dude. I absolutely remember that. So I was, I was that, like, that's what I was picturing when I was like researching. I was like, did they put the bands together for this show? Like, I, I was just really like curious about the whole dynamic. But like now that you're explaining, it just sounds so cool. Like they actually were giving you know some bands a shot at making it. Absolutely, man. And to be fair, like we were very much marketed and received in our fan base like a boy band now like we were in our mid-20s um like tattooed like i had long black hair but like make no mistake like that comparison isn't as off as you might think now were we put together no we were a band long before that but that's part of why i knew we'd be successful man is because we had the look so dialed in we knew what was gonna like sell we weren't dumb and then um a lot of people have asked us like who wrote our songs because we were so pop well i wrote every single song and so a lot of that like again it came across as this boy band who's sort of like one direction style but we had a lot more control than you would think despite that uh yeah i guess like image awesome and um it, i was just like looking at other bands that were uh on the show and like some some bands were like even on the heavier side like abandon all ships like that's a yeah, rise dude. records band that like is like a metalcore band and the, the yep. fact that that was on like you know major tv in canada is just kind of crazy because that would never I happen in the this. states exactly man and like obviously the reason why we weren't able to have sustained success is because we had three different american deals and they all kind of just didn't pan out it's so tough to break the states because you kind of have a very quick shot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So um, with that said, Canada isn't as conservative. It's a lot more, I think, supportive of its uh, music industry because there's not as much going around. But for a station like Much Music, which you're right, is top 40 to really take ownership of a band like uh, Abandon All Ships. And there were other bands I'm forgetting that were were heavier or even Alexis on Fire, man. A lot of the reason why that band was able to get big was because radio would even support heavier bands like that um and dallas green has a voice of an angel so and that's true man that is when they started taking off and i remember dude i was in uh i was still in high school and i remember being so bummed that they were going into the singing because their first couple which i'm obviously wrong i'm stupid but like i remember being like no man this is a heavy band i don't get it like i don't want that and like uh shows what i know but that's when obviously they started uh really branching out yeah, and and his like wife is a huge like much music personality, right? Dude, yeah, I was in love with her. Like again, <laughs> in high school. I remember we were uh, actually in Nashville, uh, and I was outside of a bar, and him and her walked by, and I remember this is at a time where like, oh, I'm gonna be the first to admit I had pretty sizable ego. Um, <laughs> 
And I remember they walked by and I was like thinking about, I was just like such a little bitch. I remember I was like, uh, uh, hey, uh, I was like, nah, they won't even know who the fuck I am or care. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not that big yet. And I never got. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Patrick, you grew up in Edmonton, right? Correct. Yeah. So are you a diehard Oilers fan or do you just mm-hmm, appreciate yeah. hockey above all else or? So both. And I think one has bred the other. So I'm a lifelong Oilers fan. My relationship with them started from as early on as I have memories. Uh, There's footage of me learning how to count because of the jersey numbers. Like I was a little bit of a rain man for the Oilers, dude. Straight up, like I could name every Oiler in their numbers. And I was lucky enough to go to Gretzky's last game as an Oiler. Now I was three, don't remember it, but the power went out in Boston And so they had to come back and play the game where they won the cup in Edmonton. And my dad knew the trainer. So I was able to get in and experience this again. Don't remember it, but I've always had this almost like legendary love of them. Like there's just the lore of Gretzky and the Oilers. So I'm an obsessive Oilers fan. However, the other part of what you said, I am just a fan of the game now is because there's nothing better than playoff hockey. And unfortunately I don't get to experience it that much. So I've learned to just be, um, obsessive about the game man that's like playoff time that's why it's so it's one of the crushing things about right now man is like that's when the snow starts melting for me and you know playoffs start uh so this spring i'm really missing it oh yeah we all are for sure and like there's nothing like watching hockey wearing shorts like there's it just does something to your soul man oh well, yeah yeah i guess you guys can kind of relate maybe like i know uh where you guys live now is a little bit different but um, it gets pretty damn cold in Long Island throughout the winter, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that feeling, man, it's like even if the aisles are in the playoffs, I'm sure you have like this appreciation. Like you said, man, you can watch the watch the playoffs out in a patio. And uh, it just it's it's the best time of year because winter sucks more every single year. So the payoff is that much better. Oh, yeah. So um, when I say the name Peter Shirelli, what what comes to mind? OK, so <laughs> I don't. And here's the thing. I will say to start off, Oilers fans are unacceptably terrible, dude. Like you do not understand. Actually, sorry, Isles fans are probably kind of up there from what I understand as well. But like, (laughs) but dude, it's like growing up and over time you have this like this uncle you love, but you keep hearing it's like, yeah, your uncle's like kind of bad news. Like, what? No, I love him. What do you mean? And then you grow up and you're like, oh yeah, like he's in prison a lot. Like he's not a good dude. Um, anyway, so that's kind of how I feel about Oilers fans. I am one. I love them. But as an adult, I can look at like Twitter and stuff and be like, holy shit, dude, we suck. Like we are so hard on our players. And it's just like, why would you want to play here if it's not fun to play here? Anyways, after all that, I don't know how you can objectively, just objectively, Look at what Shirelli did and consider him anything but just a massive failure here. I don't get it. Like, some of the trades, dude, are just, and not even Larson for Hall. Like, I understand why that was made. It's like the subsequent, like, uh, getting Eberly out of here and then Strom for Ryan Spooner. Like, dude, I, I'm obviously, I don't want to get too in the weeds, like on oiler specific <laughs> stuff. That's going to bore everyone to death, but yeah, I'm, I, I don't think he did a good job. <laughs> well, you know, if Bryce, Bryce from spill canvas is listening, he's, he's pumped right now. Cause well, he, he would agree then you're saying, well, he's also a big Oilers fan. So he's like, yeah, okay. keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, 
uh, obviously he won a cup in Boston. Now you'll hear from Boston fans, like how much he had to do with that. And they'll say not much anyways, but Hey man, like the guy, I'm not like all jokes aside, he's in a very accomplished, intelligent person to get where he got. But, um, no man, he, he, he shit the bed. And you know what? Koskinen has been playing great for us, um, recently. However, when you look at like a guy like Bennington, Holpe, when he came out, when they gave him that contract last year, right before he's getting kicked out, that is like an organizational failure. Like, how do you let him give four million to a guy you're not even, uh, you're not even like uh, negotiating against anyone else? No one's giving him that money. Um, so I don't know, man. I, yeah, I think uh, I'm not a big fan, obviously. And and who was the GM before him? Tambolini. Yeah, Steve Tambolini. Yeah, because his son Jeff was actually on the Islanders for a hot minute. Oh no way. That's cool. You see a lot of that, eh? Like where, um, like these last names, you uh, recognize them, and you're like, "Is that so and so?" And then, sure enough, um, you know, they're keeping it in the family. Yeah. What one trade? So, like you mentioned the Jordan Eberle trade, but like I want to go back a little bit to that to the Ryan Smith uh, accusation accusation during um, acquisition acquisition. Yeah, that's the word. There. It is, <laughs> I was like, "What are these?" Like I've never heard a bad word about. What words. did he do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it, I thought Words. I was going to get some info. All right, but uh, acquisition of Ryan Smith. Yeah, from yeah. the, you know, the, when the Islanders picked him up at the trade deadline, like. Right before the playoffs. I remember that very well, man. Yeah, I feel like uh, that I was remember- such a, like, a swing and miss by the Islanders. Like, yeah, he was a great player for the Oilers, but he didn't want to go to the Islanders and, like, was crying during his press conference. And then, like, he didn't really put up numbers like you would expect when he got here. Um, I'll tell you this. You have never had a city other than you know long any a city on long island so behind the islanders than edmonton was that year because we were all rooting for the guys so much for you guys to do something with it because that guy's beloved like um but, but you're right man like fit is such a huge component to how trades work out and you see it over and over again that just uh going after a guy and like it's tough for me to remember ryan smith being super effective after like 2006 so i I don't remember enough about how he was playing that year or what but um yeah man i mean he he was out of there as soon as the season was over right yep yeah so it was just kind of a loner um yeah that can that can bite you in the ass for sure yeah so i i have a i have a quick question for you um just out of curiosity um have have any stereo songs ever been played at the Coliseum? Like, have you ever had any? Oh yeah. Music? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tons. Um, like again, especially back in the day, like when we were big here, man, it was like everywhere. Wow. Um, actually, cool moment for me. I I can't believe I didn't clue in earlier, but um, Simple Plan was one of the first bands that again, like I, I studied pop punk for hooks and like pop yeah. songwriting before I ever like went after top 40 radio or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so right. that was one of the bands where I was like, this is the kind of song you need to write because it was heavy, which I've always liked. Um, but also had just hooks anyway. So simple plan their DVD, man, I would watch like once, once every few weeks, it inspired me so much. And so I remember we played, um, a festival in Canada with uh, Snoop Dogg and simple plan. And, Pierre, lead singer, yeah, comes yeah. up and he's like, "Oh my God, you guys! I cannot go anywhere without hearing your song. It's super good." And it was that's <laughs> one of the moments you look back on. I'm like, "Holy fuck, dude!" Like, yeah. 
that's that's an idol, legit an idol of mine. Um, you know, saying that they had uh, that they that anyways, like I mean, you asked about at sports games, but it was everywhere. It literally sure. was everywhere. And so yeah, we would uh, we would sometimes we go to games when we were on the road too, if it timed up, and we'd hear it there. Um, yeah, any any kind of sporting event in Canada, our songs were played all the time. It was very cool. That's awesome. And I guess like like I said, it, it's so funny because you know the, the states in Canada. I mean, we're 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 right. We're literally brothers, you know, we're right next to each other. But mm -hmm. like, I, I almost feel a little silly, like not really. And it's not that I don't respect the enormity of, of, you know, what, what your band did in, in you know, up North. It's just that like, I, I didn't like it, it, it didn't get here to, to me, you know? So it's it just didn't like, get, it didn't. And like, and like trying, trying to like, you know, like, and I don't mean to ask like a silly question like that, but like, I guess, that's that's the crazy thing and like and that's the other thing uh, you know the difference between the states and canada when it comes to overall reverence for hockey and you kind of touched upon it a little bit i mean it's like like really truly like i mean like from all of the people that we talk to that are from up north uh you know we've had a couple of people on the on the podcast it's like hockey is like life and it's like and it's not that way uh in the states i mean to to me and mikey it is because it's a big part of our lives but like you know, it, it really is like the, the, you know, the bastard stepchild of sports in America, you know, when you yeah. have the NFL and the NBA and all this stuff. And it's kind of a bummer. Uh, but, um, you know, but for, for you guys, like, you know, the, the connection and the enormity uh, of everything there. And now, you know, you kind of almost paying respect to hockey with this new band that you're in, I think is super cool. Cause like that, that's what it is to me. It's like, not only is it fun, but it's like, you know what, like, we love it. We're here. Like, let's really go all in on the two things that we love. So I'm super pumped to kind of see what, you know, in all alone kind of ends up being. But I think with your pedigree, hopefully, you know, when you guys come down this way, I mean, you guys could be in for some like some fucking cool things. I would love that, man. It's it's true. Like to, on a serious note, what hockey means to people here is so much more than just a game. And I think that it's, um, it's tough for people to understand, especially if they're not like growing up around it. But my monument, like the, the moments in my life, like if I'm to choose the, the ones that meant the most, like we were actually invited, we sang the anthem at an Oilers game. That's sick. And That's dude, awesome. it was incredible because I'm in that building, dude, that is the same building. It was before we yeah. had the new one. And so this was uh, at the Coliseum. It was where I saw Gretzky's last game as an, as an Oilers. I don't remember it, but I was there. I saw the cup one mm -hmm. in that building. And, um, you know, that's, and it's funny. We had a, like a stereos t-shirt that was the Oilers logo, but kind of like obviously made with our name and like a diamond instead of an oil drop. Yeah. Very cheesy. But, uh, I remember, I forget who it was, but it kind of came up in conversation with one of the guys he's like, and, uh, with like who's hosting us, he's like, listen, if you ever tell anyone I said this, I'll deny it. But, uh, you guys get a pass for that. Like in terms of like <laughs> the, the copyright side of it, like mm -hmm. he, he was, I don't even know if that guy had the power to make that decision, but it was very cool to be like, you guys are all right. Like, you know, and so we were in the change rooms there before we went out and did it. Um, and it was just it, that that's such a cool moment for me to be able to have, you know, hockey intersect uh, so much with what I do. And last year I was actually able to work with uh, the local families affected by the Humboldt uh, tragedy. And oh, so. Wow, yeah. Chris Joseph is an ex NHL player, not Curtis Joseph, but Chris, he was a defenseman. He played for the Oilers and, um, he lost uh, a kid, unfortunately in that. And because of what in all alone does 
is the only reason we were able to work with that man. Even though Stereos is way better known by like an infinite degree, I don't think they would have even returned uh, my email if it wasn't for the hockey side and about me kind of being able to demonstrate that. But man, it brings people together and uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. And I think that like, actually one of my favorite tours we ever did was our American tour. And it was because we were kind of unknown. Um, it's a very long story. It was kind of during our height. And so we were able to go there and be anonymous and be an opening band and just like, uh, see the cities we were in because we were, again, we we're an opening band, which is like, That's uh, cool. yeah, I was able to drink in every American city over a month <laughs> and a half. It was wicked, but, um, who would you guys go out with? Oh my God, dude, Jeffree Star. What? Yeah. And he was actually so legit, man. People are always like, what's he like? Like they think he's this like outrageous personality, man. He was very down to earth um there was a couple other bands on that tour who were not very great um <laughs> like as dudes <laughs> yeah um but he was great man and it was uh it was just a, an incredible way to see it and we would often meet hockey fans because that's one of the first things they would ask yeah, um right. yeah, you as canadian you like hockey we're like yes but um, <laughs> i feel oh, like that's actually, a question i would ask <laughs> Here's a story. We did an arena tour with uh, Boys Like Girls. I don't know if you remember that band. Oh, okay. yeah, I remember that band. Yeah, for sure. And so that arena tour, we were in NHL rinks all the time. And if they weren't NHL rinks, they're in smaller cities. That was where the junior team played. It was always sure. hockey arenas. Every venue was a hockey arena almost. Um, and Rob and I, we had sticks in our trailer. And we would find nets. Like, you know, when they're in the kind of the, the, the loading bays, they have nets back yeah. there. And we would just shoot on them. The drummer of that band was such a fucking loser and he actually out and he's smaller than me so a huge attitude on the guy he literally was like fucking canadians it's all you guys fucking care about a eh, hockey and we're like i guess dude and we kind of thought like is he chirping like is he just being funny because we love to bust each other's balls sure. um but we didn't we couldn't tell and then we did in montreal he's like this again a eh? fucking pathetic just all you guys think about hockey and we're like cool man you're from Boston, which is like the sickest hockey town, but like yeah, whatever. Yeah, dude. right. Like, exactly. So he was uh, not a hockey fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it, it, and it, it's funny because like, so we, um, that, that's something that we, we asked a lot of our guests, you know, like, hey, you know, while you guys are out on tour, like, do you make time, you know, to go, you know, try to catch like, you know, away games as you're out there, uh, you know, on the road. And a, and a lot of guys have, uh, have cool stories about that. So like, well, you guys were were on the road in the states, like other than just like you know, kind of getting back there and playing. Like, did you ever get an opportunity to like, you know, uh, hit an arena that you know was like so far from home, like maybe something like down south or in, you know, like Cali or something? Like, did you ever get a get a cool opportunity like that? Absolutely, man. We did the we did L.A. and Anaheim back to back, and uh, that's another one of my favorite stories. Is uh... Rob, our guitar player, was wearing a Team Canada jersey for the Oilers. Okay. It was Oilers in L.A. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a, a Team Canada jersey, and this Kings fan goes by. He's like, USA, USA. And uh, Rob's like, whatever, man. And this, at the time, I have to say, uh, L.A. had no cups yet. It was like two years before they won their first one. Yeah. And Rob's like, whatever, dude. Oilers got five cups. You got zero. And the guy says back, oh, Yeah. Well, we had this guy, and he points to the number 99 on the back of his jersey. Oh, my God. As though he didn't already come from Edmonton, you dumb moron. Um, <laughs> and then we went to Anaheim, and we got chirped by all these, like, scary California teenagers, man. They're, like, so intimidating and, like, good-looking. And, like, 
And I'm like, I guarantee you don't even like light hockey. And the Oilers like got dummied in both games, which sucked. Um, but yeah, I remember like that, that trip of hockey was not great. And, uh, then we went to Vegas. I've been, uh, a lot of the Northern, like, uh, Detroit Buffalo, because we used to, we lived in Toronto when stereos was a thing. Yeah, sure. And so it was very, very close for us to go there. Yeah. Um, but that's my favorite thing, man. I love seeing them on the road because it's, uh, I mean, obviously the home crowd is great, but that's when you're used to that at a certain point, it's kind of cool mm-hmm. to be the, uh, the Euler fan, uh, in a, in a visitor's building. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, um, I, I just think that's so cool. Um, I, like I've only had the opportunity, um, and both times it actually was with, with, with Mikey, um, to see hockey, like, uh, in an away capacity. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, like I've been to, you know, Rangers games and devil's games and stuff that are super close to home, but you know, I got to go see uh, you know, a hurricanes game. I got to go see a, um, you know, a lightning game, both of which, you know, the Islanders were playing, uh, it is such a cool experience, especially like the differences between the two experiences. So when, when uh, I forget the year, what was the year that we, we saw the Canes game, Mikey? Uh, 2015. 2015. So it's like um, the Canes had kind of like fizzled out. Like they had their, you know, their years where they were a, a formidable team. And then like, really, it was just like almost sad to see like the, the arena was maybe a third of the way filled. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Islanders fans. I mean, like, the funny story we always tell is like, so we, we go to this, um, this restaurant that's like pretty much right across the street from the arena. It's all Islanders fans. And we, and, uh, it's, it's like me, Mikey, a couple of our other buddies. And we're in like our probably, I don't know, late, like mid twenties at the time. We meet these kids that are like college kids that are probably four or five years younger than us, like just like old enough to drink. And, uh, you know, we're like, you know, we're drinking with them at the, at the game. And, uh, you know, we have these nosebleed seats like way up top. And, uh, I think it was like in between like the first and second period, like we run into these kids again and they're like, yo, man, we've been to a bunch of Canes games before. If you're double fisting beers, just walk down to the hundred sections and no one's going to say anything to you. And we're like, these kids are fucking nuts, man. Like, what are they talking about? But they're like, no, 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 seriously. So of course we're like, all right, let's give it a shot. And sure as shit, we literally just walk down there, two beers in hands. No one's checking our tickets. No one even And then all of a sudden we're like on the glass. No way. Just like, just like that. And, uh, and it was like, and, and so it's like that experience, right. Is like, you know, such a cool experience, but like, you know, not a, not a, a filled up arena. And then, um, just a couple of months ago, uh, you know, we brought, uh, a bunch of people with the, uh, you know, Isles meetups groups down to Tampa. Um, and that was a whole other experience because that place was like filled to the brim with Bolts fans and like, really, and- that's cool, man. I, cause I never know. What it's like down there. Yeah, and and it's funny because like you think about that, you're like, how far removed can you get from like the epicenter of hockey, you know, that is Canada? But like even like you know, um, the Preds is are one of those teams too. That's just like, and again, I think that has a lot to do with a lot of transplants from all over, you know, coming down to Nashville. But like the Preds fan base is just like out of control, and so are the Bolts fan base. I mean, I feel like it's just again like kind of the alternative sport, and a lot of people just come together for it. But um, couldn't have been two different experiences, but both awesome experiences just to kind of see the totally, dichotomy yeah, yeah. between it. But, um, but Vegas you know, is the I mean, same way, man, yeah. I, uh, I have tons of respect for that, that fan base. They really mm-hmm. latched on. It was an absolute crazy atmosphere. And there were tons of Oiler fans because it's such a destination spot. But yeah, at sure. the same time, man, they didn't hold back. They 
whooped us. And it was, um, I, I, I love that because I, I do have friends who are like, man, I went to Nashville. It's so cheesy. Like the, the way I guess they have like a back and forth with the announcer. I'm like, no dude, you have the wrong attitude. Like, yeah, obviously I'm a competitive person. I always want the mm -hmm. Oilers to win, but at the same time, anything that I love this game so much that when sure. I see America, like USA hockey, especially in the youth side, really yeah. growing and guys like Austin Matthews coming out of Arizona. I love that dude. I always love that. In fact, I'm sort of a contrarian to the point where I will cheer for the States um, unless they're playing Canada where a lot of people here won't. And I don't know why that is. It's like, Again, it's kind of an inferiority complex, I think. They want to be better than the States in something. Mm -hmm. I, I love seeing um, how it's growing more and more in America. And I also think it's going to make us better because the kind of the, the heat's on us to, to do better, uh, yeah. I think, at the youth level where we've been able to just dominate for so long. Um, so I love that. I'm, I've, I've actually like wondered what it was like at a Canes game. I guess like now they're kind of having a resurgence. I've hated them ever since they beat the Oilers in 06, but now, and I fucking hate the storm surge. I don't care if that makes me an old man, <laughs> but they actually have this writer, uh, Sarah Sivian. I don't know if you guys follow her at all, but yep. I follow her for she, the athletic. Yeah, dude. And like, she is such a cool, I think like, uh, take on things. And she is, uh, very dismissive of the haters and I kind of like her attitude. So I'm kind of coming around on that team because I think she's a, a cool uh, personality in hockey. Yeah. I feel like she's like, one or two tweets away from being like a barstool sports reporter. Here's the thing though. I, I agree with you. Cause I don't know how everyone, I know barstool is very divisive more down there. Cause I don't think that many people know about it up here. I do like most of like the barstool again, like just the humor. Um, but she is very, you know, she, she's a very well-rounded person and she's definitely like, um, you know, stands up for females and stuff in their place in sports. And so I've seen her call out people on Barstool just as well, but you're right. At the same time, she's very, she does remind me of one of the, one of the guys on Chicklets for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, she I fit in now, now that I've been in, in like North Carolina for almost six years, like I really hate the Carolina hurricanes, especially since <laughs> fair enough, dude. I was there game four when we got swept last season. And that oh, was so brutal. Like they were, really really nasty fans to us and it just was not fun i forget what the context was man but i had an all-time bad take on twitter i may have even deleted it and i'm not a big deleter i usually like owning my own idiocy but dude i it was uh round one and i post i forget what it was and so it's not going to be funny but i quote tweeted a carolina thing and i said yeah and you guys will be golfing soon too and holy shit, was I wrong? This is still round one against Washington, and man, I could not believe how that train went on. But I love Brindamore too, man. I mean, again, uh, trust me. I when I hate a team, I hate them because I like more teams than I don't. Like I have merch from like so many teams because I kind of just like the history of most teams and things like that. I can find a guy, but when I hate a team, like uh, the Flames or the Leafs, trust me, no, you can't just tell me that. Oh, this guy's cool. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Now, Patrick, I got a question about in all alone. So like you, you had like huge success with stereos where, you know, you were touring with black eyed peas and like playing festivals with Snoop Dogg and, and like crazy, crazy, you know, acts when, mm -hmm. when you like hit the road with in all alone, like, are you current with like the, the pop punk world and like know some of the bands that you would want to go hit the road with? Because I feel like it's a totally different, you know, market. 
Dude, I I am not at all. So we've been playing a lot of like local shows mostly, obviously, because it's kind of, you know, we have lives and stuff. But yeah, um, there's a great scene here still, man. There's a band called Calling All Captains. You guys should definitely check out if you're at all into that. And we've kind of hopped on. They're kids, man, like 10 years younger than us. But and they're like a little bit heavier. They're on uh, Equal Vision, right? right? Equal Vision. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on Equal Vision. There you go. And so they're they're doing it, man. They're doing really great. And they're like a heavier band, but they're stereos freaks. Like they loved our band because we were the first local band that they saw make it. And so even though we were like top 40 pop, they love us. And so we've been I've been kind of like able to just learn through them like what's good. We have a like our guitar player, Kevin. He's a huge pop punk guy, man. He like I love him. He is just like uh he's like a cartoon chipmunk he's like so eager he's like boys check this song out check this song out check this song out and i feel bad man because like in the group chat and like no one will respond because it's like kev it's fucking midnight dude like i'm not checking out the newest um you know uh i don't know say us do they make songs anymore i'm like but <laughs> no one will respond so i'll just be like yeah kev sounds good bud but um like he is he knows every new band he's like dude have you heard the new uh this i'm like well, obviously not, because you know how this question goes every time. No, I haven't heard it. Um, so I am a very jaded guy, man. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I, I found enough good music in my life that I'm done. Unless it smacks me in the face. I'm like, oh, okay, fuck, this sounds good. Um, which is not a great thing to say as a musician, but I'm just, I'm not a, uh, again, I'm just jaded. Well, you know what? One of the things you said that kind of like caught my attention, I wanted to elaborate a little bit on, I was when you were talking about, you know, listening to like 2000s, you know, pop punk for for hooks you know for mm-hmm. you know for for you writing pop music and it's like man some of the of the pop punk bands that are kind of you know in the in like the 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 scene right now they're writing such good hooks it's like unbelievable it's like you can see why some of the guys that are in indie bands and alternative bands like once their time in the sun in a band is done like they go on and they like write for like pop artists and they start producing and all this stuff, man, like, like a, a band, like the wonder years, for instance, right. Whereas I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with the wonder yep. years, man, like the, the, the kind of like writing style he has the, and the choruses that he writes and like the stuff that he does and like some of the bridges that he writes, it's just like, it's almost like transcendent to me. And it's just like, dude, like if you pull this out of like this, this pop punk, like bubble and like, you took this chorus and like you just made Katy Perry sing it like this would sell millions of, of records. Like Dude, it really would a hundred percent. And it, and it does. And it sucks because I remember hearing all the time that radio doesn't want guitars, but that is basically the difference. If you listen to Katy Perry, hot and cold, the lyrics are a little cheesy. Okay. I get yeah. that. But that, like the way that chorus drives, it is pop punk. If you oh, put yeah. it on, you know, that is a newfound glory song if, if you know, with different lyrics and instrumentation. Yep. And so you're totally right, man. Paramore obviously like yeah. um, went back and forth between that. It all comes down to playing this. If you can play a song on a piano or an acoustic guitar and yeah. sing along to it and you, your ear catches that one thing, mm-hmm. that's all it takes, man. And that's why I write my, uh, here's the thing. I can't play any instruments. The good side of that is I'm never worried about minor chords or anything like that. I write sure. everything on a computer. It's the chord progression and how it rubs with my vocal melody. And that's yeah. all I care about. And Absolutely. so I can do that in a pop punk band and I can mm-hmm. do that with my pop band and country, man. Like say, uh, obviously country is a very love hate, but yeah. uh, a Florida Georgia line song is a stereo song with a fiddle, you know, sure. uh, 
yeah. Tom Petty made that uh, remark at one point, not favorably. He hated it, yeah. but um, I, I don't uh, like <laughs> it's it's all the same thing. It just comes down to how you dress it up, and that's how you call it uh, essentially. Sure, sure. No, and I, I I I totally agree with that. I really do. I I, uh, I, I think that. Um, you know, there's so much good music out there. And I think that uh, one of the other things, too, that some people kind of fall prey to is the whole idea of, you know, listening outside of your genre. You know, it's just like, you know, I like, oh, yeah, like, I, you know, I love punk rock. And that's like, oh, cool, man. You, you love punk rock, man. You ever, you know, you ever listen to like Bob Dylan? No, why do I listen to Bob Dylan, man? That's not punk rock. It's like, dude, he's he's more punk rock than like you will ever be. You know, it's just like this oh, whole idea that like you have to be in in your lane and i think that that's one of the things that when i was younger i like i put my foot in my mouth all the time because like that was a, a big issue i had like it was you know and i was 17 18 19 like all i wanted to do was you know listen to stuff on fat wreck and listen to you know <laughs> yeah like, dude that's like, exactly me and and it's just like a bummer because like you know now going back into like all the music that i might have missed then all of the good uh, you know, whether it was pop music or instrumental music or, you know, a more aggressive music or hard rock or, you know, even, you know, country or, uh, you know, adult or turn or whatever the hell it is. I mean, it's like I, I miss out on some of that stuff because I was so dedicated to being in my lane because I thought that's the only way that you could be. And there's like nothing less punk rock than like that, because like the whole ethos of punk rock is like, don't give a shit, do what you got to do you know, and enjoy what you want to enjoy and don't fall into the, to the net. Right. And I was falling into the net, just listening to punk rock. So I kick myself all the time about that. But like what you're saying rings true. It's just like anything could be anything if you dress it up. So I think that's a, a, a totally cool perspective on that. And you're right, man. I'm the same way. And I think it's cool that you admit that because so many people like, you know, they don't admit I was the exact same way. And yeah. so I um, what's funny is, OK, like you look at our big song in stereos is this auto tuned uh, mix of hip hop and pop. And that's what we wanted at the time, whatever. But sure. what's what's why well, I haven't even ex uh, mentioned this yet. The reason why I quit sports and went into being in a band is because I was I uh, June 28th, 2000, I saw AFI when they were still playing to 400 people and mm -hmm. my life changed that night. I was like, nope, that's what I want to do. So when I started getting obsessive about music, it was from a hardcore band, melodic hardcore. And so that is what led to me being in a pop band. And it was, um, thankfully I was able to transfer what I loved about that band, which is obviously not top 40 pop, but yeah, use that to turn it into what I was good at. Um, and I think anyone is so dumb if they think that, you know, good music is genre based because of the fact that you can prefer one. I get it. Of course, there's there's vibes. But if you think that every country song is bad, but that every like hardcore song is good, you're dumb because there's, of course, yeah. horrible hardcore songs and oh, yeah. horrible country songs. But mm -hmm. like, yeah, man, there's um, there's something redeemable, in my opinion, um, in every genre. And you're just like hurting yourself if you're not willing to if you're dismissing something based on not what it is, which is the song. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Now, Patrick, we uh, we talked with Jake from August Burns Red and he shared like an absolutely epic Grammy story. Do you have a cool Juno story? Because like that's your equivalent in Canada, right? yes um so we our time in the junos happened 
Oh, it was a fucking nightmare. So we um, were touring with a band called Headley, and that was the arena tour I was telling you about, Boys Like Girls. And it purposely ended in St. John's, Newfoundland, because the Junos were happening two days later in St. John's. And so we were nominated. Is that where they uh, always happen? Nope. Uh, oh, New okay. City every year. New City, okay. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so, that's a random, like, out there place to have it. I wish, man. That city rips. Um, but we had just done a month and a half of touring. And Headley pulled this thing where they had a stage. If you can imagine, um, like, a T, the letter T. So if you're looking straight at it, the 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 leg or whatever, the arm of the T is coming towards you. And then there's the intersection at the top. I'm describing that terribly. It wouldn't be a leg or an arm. What am I saying? But it juts out <laughs> into the middle towards the crowd, like a catwalk, okay? Gotcha. Yeah. We weren't allowed to use the part of the T that went out into the crowd. But there's, of course, a whole front row of people built around that. And so every night you could see confusion on people who had these front row seats. They're like, what the fuck? They're just using the back part. But it was it was in the right. Like we couldn't use it. Opening bands couldn't use it. So we decided to pull this thing on the last night of this tour where last chorus last song we're all going out there it's a prank it's funny <laughs> well dude their entire road crew starts coming out like ripping us off stage like, what the fuck are you guys doing and like dude this is the, this was summer ago it was our hit and like people that are like getting it ripping us off stage it was so bad so that's how the week started and then um it was just kind of one thing after another man i remember going to get into a, an elevator and it was I would say maybe like 75% full. I could have fit. And I look up and it's Drake and his entourage. And I'm like, in that, in that moment, I'm like, do I go? Do I go? And so I take a step forward. And one of them's like, um, nah, little man, it's full. Take the next one. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, cool. Just like one of the like, most demoralizing moments. Um, I'm trying to think. And then we lost uh, Best New Artist to a band that at the time I was like, how did these clowns beat us? We are so much bigger than them. And that band turned out to be the Arkells, who are fucking so good and like oh, so yeah. massive now. And uh, you know what? The big thing that gets me about that is that NHL players love that band. Like for some reason, like they're always hanging out with the Oilers. And I'm like, this is just the biggest like rub my face in it. And again, I've, I, I'm being like jokey about it because they are so good. Of course, they were better than us. And like I'm, they made the right call in choosing them. But it's just one thing. Every time I see how successful they get, I'm like, motherfuckers, they beat us. Um, but in terms of anything like salacious, man, like, I'll be honest, that was a point in our lives where every night was very similar in terms of, you know, we were young in our twenties, uh, hitting up bars and, uh, meeting females. And it was great for that, but, uh, nothing too over the top off the top of my head. All right, cool. But uh, Hey, that Drake story is pretty fucking epic. Yeah, that's a, that's a moment where, uh, <laughs> well, to tie it in. So my bio on Twitter for the longest time was Drake kicked me out of an elevator once. Okay. <laughs> Just so out of context, no one would know what that means. And I had this chick. Oh man, I should see if it's still in my inbox. I get out of nowhere. I don't even at, at first know what it means. It's some, I, I get an, a DM and it's, uh, Drake would never do that. I'm like, pardon? She's like, Drake's a good guy. He's Canadian. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. uh, like, so am I, haha. And she's like, take that down. I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, I don't like people slandering Canadian artists. I'm like, fuck, again, so am I. And it's like, he kind of did. And it was just like this thing about this chick getting super mad at me for having that in my bio. <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> I, I like, and, and the funny thing about it is like, 
So like when you when you look at like mega artists, like there are people that will like go down with a sinking ship, man. I mean, like there are these people that will like defend Drake to like the death. Um, and it's and it's so funny. And the other thing that I always think is funny too, you know, just one last little kind of thing to to pop in. So I mean, Drake is like you know notably known for like all of his his Raptors love, right? But like it like is, is Drake a Leafs fan? Oh, like, who fucking knows? Like, what do you think? Like, will he admit that he's like a Leafs fan? Like, would you ever see him at a Leafs game, or is he just like, nah, fuck hockey? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I bet you he would, man. He has such love for that city, and um, I personally, okay, here's the thing. I think Drake has. He is so genre fluid that to say I like Drake is weird to me because I love some of his songs, but he'll do songs that don't sound anything like. Like, do you know what I mean? He'll have some like harder, like um, almost trap sounding songs. And then he'll have like, yeah. his, like best I ever had. So I don't even know to yep. say whether or not, but I do respect the fact that he has some incredible music. With that said, I personally have found him very cringy on multiple occasions. But if you talk to people from that city, they love him unconditionally because of how he feels about them. So yep. to answer your question, I'm sure if I were to say I don't see him as a hockey guy, that I would be proven wrong. I'm sure he probably has shown tons of love, but um, his brand and like the way he, uh, he loves the Raptors, dude, um, for sure. But yeah, I guarantee you he likes the Leafs. How, how could you, uh, you know, not like a team that hasn't won anything since the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect place to just end it and just throw shade at Toronto. <laughs> So let's just wrap this up, Patrick. Um, it, it really has been such a blast, like, you know, hearing about stereos, hearing about in all alone, and just really great conversation. So I really in, uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast, man. And I'll send you our new song. I'll email it to you. We want to kind of release it the right way. So we haven't put it out yet, but um, the title is Highway to Calgary Nothing which is um, a joke because the highway that connects Edmonton and Calgary is Highway 2. And all along as a kid, my dad would say, Highway 2, Calgary nothing. And so um, I used it as <laughs> That's a, like the most song epic title. dad joke ever. To, exactly. And like to this day, I still chuckle about it. So um, I'll send that off to you. Let me know what you Sweet. think. But I, I, I had a blast, man. I would love to hang out again. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, boys. Peace. 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 Peace.
How is that? Dude, uh, you heard it here first. The debut of Highway 2 Calgary Zero from uh, In All Alone. Super duper cool. Great song. Really pumped that uh, they, you know, uh, that, that Pat and the band ended up letting us, uh, you know, give that kind of its first taste here. Uh, I think there's going to be super big things on the horizon for that band. They're just like super polished, really tight sounding. Uh, but I mean, it's so cool uh, to have talked to to Patrick about uh, all that kind of stuff and, um, you know, getting to know a little bit about really what makes him tick and why he wanted to, you know, start in all alone, you know, and kind of mesh hockey and music together, you know, like he's always loved to do. But, uh, you know, some of that, some of those crazy stories he was telling us about his his time in stereos. I mean, like such a, such a wild, wild experience, man. I think it's super cool. I think my favorite part of that interview was when he was saying like where that song title comes from, like, because like highway Two, Calgary zero, like that doesn't really make sense to us. Yeah. But like, it's basically the ultimate dad joke. And it's just like, oh, yeah. so funny, like corn today, corn tomorrow, or like, yep, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just so pumped that I'm going to be that kind of dad that just is so corny and just says like silly one liners like that. So Dude, dad jokes are great, man. Dad jokes so are, 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 they're the wave of the future, man. You know, it's like, why tell like a dirty joke when you can just tell a dad joke? Like it's going to land better. It's going to be safer. It's going to be probably more funny anyway. Oh yeah. I just need a pair of air monarchs and like, I'll be ready to rock. <laughs> Dude, don't make fun of my air monarchs. <laughs> You go ahead and get some wide feet and then you tell me what shoes fit air monarchs fit and they're great and they're stylish and they're great. (laughs) That is up there like with like Skechers as the ultimate dad sneaker. Listen, man, Skechers are the S, you know, that's they're, you know, they're comfortable. They give you that great support. You know, it's uh, it really is what's up, you know, and I I just like, you know, I, I just can't get over that. Like we had a conversation with someone that has like, like we had the conversation with, um, you know, Jake from August Burns Red, you know, they were nominated for, for Grammys. And now we're talking to someone who like, like won um, a, a Juno, which is like unbelievable. And he was uh, telling us that awesome story about uh, how uh, they were playing at the events and uh, they decided to just venture too far out onto the stage and got like almost tackled. It's just like, <laughs> what the hell, man? Like, how did we get so lucky to have conversations with such awesome people that have done such ridiculous shit? Like, I don't I don't know what we did to be blessed to do this, but I'm pumped about it. That was just one of my favorite interviews. It really was. It was just so funny and like just so interesting to to just hear the. The craziness that Patrick and Stereos got into, and it's just like instant fame and just like one day being like a up and coming band like grinding it out like sleeping in your mm-hmm. van to the next day yep. like waking up and like going and play arenas with snoop dogg like craziness yeah. and then you know just learning kind of the the some of the the backstory about you know how they ended up uh getting onto you know that canadian reality show and much music and and kind of you know not knowing that they were were already a band and really just kind of getting their name out there and uh happy it just happened to be that they were one of the the better groups of musicians and they just kind of hit at the right time and all of a sudden they just exploded onto the scene and you know they never looked back now 
Do you watch that show Songland? No, I have no idea what that is. Oh my god, dude. So it I wouldn't say it's similar, but it's definitely one of the best like music reality shows on TV right now. Okay. Um, it's on I believe NBC and the whole premise of the show is they they uh have like the guy from One Republic um are you familiar with the guy from One Republic who's like a huge songwriter? Um, I'm familiar with One Republic, but I, I don't know the guy exactly, but I wouldn't doubt it. I think it's Ryan Tenner, maybe. Okay. Well, anyway, um, they have these three like polished songwriters who basically write like songs for every top 40 artist possible. And okay. then they bring in like um, up and coming songwriters mm-hmm. and have them like perform their song. And, and like for a specific artist like in front of the artist so like four people present their song that they wrote for this artist and then like the artist picks the top three okay and then they like work with those veteran songwriters and like make it more polished and like more for, like targeted for that uh artist and mm-hmm. then like represent the the new song and then like the artist picks that song and like records it and and like puts it on iTunes and like a lot of them have like filmed music videos and like oh wow it becomes like their next hit like that's all, actually like, pretty cool yeah dude it's such a good show what uh, what check it out what, what network is it on I believe it's NBC okay and what is it called Songbird Songland Songland got it I mean as you're talking to me about that that just made me remember about how like. Dan from his tall's lions just like started writing like music for like mega pop stars, didn't he? Yeah, and and then started Ryan from Envy on the Coast. Oh yeah, what who is he writing for these days? Uh, I I don't know specifically. Like oh wow, but I I know that that's like what he's also doing in L.A. I mean, listen, you know, great like great songwriters. I mean, like you know got to put food on the table and like, you know, you can use your creativity in that way to, you know, write great songs for, you know, for people like what, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, look at like every as tall as lions record, like how great those songs are and how, you know, great most of the, you know, of, of Envy's catalog is and all of his other side projects and like how he can, you know, write like a pop song and a rock song and all this stuff. And I mean, if you have that talent you might as well get out there and use it, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I, I, w- once you said like Dan from As Tall's Lines, I was like, man, that love, love, love song, that mm-hmm. could be a top 40 hit like tomorrow. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, like, you know, a lot of that, like the the songs, um, you know, on um, on that record, you know, a lot of the song, even like even though they got a little bit of, you know, experimental on that last record, like some of those songs were even like, you know, just wonderfully written songs. I mean, like, it's just you know, the, again, you know, talking about the lines between, you know, like pop and, and rock, you know, like we talked about a little bit with, uh, with Patrick about how, you know, you could be primarily, you know, like an alternative guy, but I mean, you could write a hook that's just as sweet as a top 40 hook, you know? So, I mean, it's all about presentation and that's really what it is. But, um, I think that's such a cool thing, you know, being able to, even, even if you're not writing for your own band, even if you're just out there writing and using your creativity as an art, that's that's so sweet man getting to do that every day who who wouldn't love to do that yeah and you know you you see that a lot of these like newer top 40 artists all started out as songwriters like 
mm-hmm. you know, they were they were once writing songs for other mega stars yep. and now they're writing songs for themselves and breaking into that, you know, huge market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's uh that's again, that's what you want to do, man. If you could, you know, catch a gig, you know, writing songs for other people and then transition it into, you know, having your own successful career. That's, you know, that's the dream there, man. Hell yeah. So, um, I guess that brings us to the last segment of our show. And the reason I'm making this transition right now is because like, I I think of the band panic at the disco, like started out in our scene, like was writing crazy, crazy, like ridiculously hooky songs, Mm -hmm. catchy songs that like, they instantly transitioned into the top 40 market and the band that I want to uh, end today's episode on reminds me a lot of like when panic at the disco still sounded like panic at the disco. Mm -hmm. And it's this band, the home team, they're from Seattle, Washington and you know, younger listeners of our show have probably heard of them. Um, But older guys like Tom and I, you know, they're, not really on our radar, but I, I found them on a pop punks, not dead playlist and instantly was like, Whoa, this band is definitely something special. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with a, a song from the home team. Definitely check them out. Um, and you know, they, they definitely are bigger than some of the other bands we've had on this spot, you know, getting close to like a hundred thousand streams on Spotify a month, but they are still like, you know, they, were they on your radar yet, Tom? No, they weren't at all. I, I, I had not even heard of them. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's still, uh, you know, some some audience out there that hasn't heard of them yet. So, sure. I definitely want to leave today's episode with a song from the home team. Awesome. And, uh, you know, as always, we, uh, we implore you to, uh, you know, like, share, and subscribe our content. You can go to our uh, our not-so-new anymore, but still new website, uh, www.bardownbreakdown.com, where we have all of our episodes, including our old ones archived. Um, you could uh, get uh, you know me at uh, Thomas underscore Vicario. You can get uh, Mikey at Isles Meetup uh, CLT. You can get uh, us on um, Twitter. You can get us on Instagram. You know Any of your social media platforms that you like, you could listen to the podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher um spotify i mean there's a million places to listen to us but uh, we really hope you do and if you do like us go on and subscribe so you can uh, just get those episodes you know as we release them weekly or you know bi-weekly uh, you know as of right now uh and uh you know we just we hope you like what we do and uh you know if we always love to hear feedback so feel free to send us some messages comment uh just tell us you know who you'd like us to interview what you like about our show and you know, having said that, we appreciate you guys, you know, for giving us the platform to do what we do. So uh, on that note, uh, go ahead and enjoy this home team track. And, uh, you know, I think we got some, some something pious to say, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, Tom, I hope you have a great uh, rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Peace All right, man. And also with you. To show me what's been hiding underneath. If it's games you want, you'll get the best of me With you looking the way I do So I watch you on the stage with that pretty little frame Oh God, I swear, what a gift to ride my
maybe I'm nothing but a day in the life You know you're not the best thing for me